This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Frontline Gaming presents 40K Stat Center with your host, Val Heffelfinger and the Falcon. Grab your bongs and power armor bongs. We're going to take you to the Netherlands for the Alliance Open. Florida men flirt with fire for the first time in the Armageddon series, Coastal Assault. We make jokes about the meme that Portland has become when we cover the Stumptown Stomp. And finally, we top it off with Twisted Onslaught 2, whose title reminds us of that PlayStation game where you fought each other with cars and there was a homicidal clown or something. That's right. Oh, that was a good one. It was. His head was on fire. Sure was. Welcome to another show's intro where we remind you what show you're listening to and the shows you should also listen to. That's correct. You're listening to 40K Stat Center, episode number 23, the LeBron James of 40K podcasts, where we've managed to deliver not one, not two, not three, but 23, count them, 23 episodes of hot and heavy international competitive 40K content. God, you're really struggling to write this intro, aren't you, Half? What gives you that idea? Okay, well, uh, let's just do the normal stuff and get it out of here. Ever thought to yourself, hey, I could use some heuristic devices to get better at 40k? What did you call me? Exactly. Tune into Chapter Tactics this week where Town Hure... Pablo Martinez, along with two guys that humor him for well over an hour, go deep on how to keep it simple on the tabletop, or something like that. Plus, psychic awakening. And then over on Art of War with Nick Nanavati and the other guy, straight shooter Collins, straight shooter McDade chants, chats about the Imperium and his various Lone Star list builds. Turns out there are factions other than Space Marines? They just also happen to be Space Marines. And of course, there's the granddaddy of them all, Signals from the Frontline, hosted by a granddaddy to someone probably by now, Reese Richard Robbins, and his trusty sidekick, Town Hure, Pablo Martinez. No-look prediction? They talk about Faith and Fury, and it turns out it's very good. Oh, and Jim Vessel is leading the ITC in hobby track. Oh my god, how is he doing this? He's the Bo Jackson of 40k. Tournament news is made possible by bestcoastpairings.com. Download the BCPTO app to organize events for just about any tabletop game system. Download the player app to easily find and participate in events from around the world. Around the world. Subscribe to BCP for as little as $5 a month to support the team and unlock additional features available for iOS and Android. Bestcoastpairings.com. Competitive events easier as the great austin powers once said there's only two things i hate in this world people who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the dutch with those words of wisdom we begin our episode in that land of tulips windmills and open prostitution where all your dreams may come true that's right the annual alliance open was held this last weekend in hoofdorp netherlands just a few paces away from Amsterdam, and by all accounts, they put on a great show yet again. 
Clocking in at 132 players, the Open featured some of the best and brightest Europe has to offer, including Mark Applecrumble Crumbleholm, Malik Amin Mean Man Rubio, Alex Heavy Petting Petford, and more. There's a reason that I listed the Alliance Open as one of the most competitive events in the world. This event is as stacked as the buffet they provide to all the players. Let's hear all the good stuff from T.O. Cease Jean-Claude Van Stam. The Alliance Open Dutch Grand Tournament is actually in its third year. Uh, we started back in 2017 when we were just a couple of Dutch gamers looking to reinvigorate the Dutch 40k scene. Uh, we started relatively small with our first event being about 48 players, most of which are from the Netherlands. Uh, but we're now a full-blown major with 132 players in attendance last weekend. Uh, we've seen some pretty amazing support from the community, both locally and internationally, over the last couple of years. And are pretty honored to welcome some of the top players in the European meta. Um, we've made the, full, the switch to full-blown ITC missions uh, last year and haven't really looked back since. Uh, but it has now become a little bit more than just a 40k event, with several other systems joining us. Uh, and we're getting closer to our dream of becoming a, a premium convention-style event in the continental Europe. We've really worked hard the last couple of years to become a major uh, worth noting. Um, and as, uh, as such, have received a great many players from all competitive levels, from several of the major 40k nations in, uh, in Europe. Um, when we look at the meta, we saw a large portion of the field uh, playing the new Marines, which is understandable. They made up about 18% of the field, with uh, 24 other ITC factions in attendance in total. Uh, the top placings did have a strong Marine presence, with uh, 5 out of 10 lists having a Marine focus or component. Uh, but the, in this type of meta, we also still see a strong rise in uh, both the Tau and Edmex successes. Um, and still seeing the occasional Assyriani player uh, given a new edge due to the rise of the Phoenix. When you look at the composition of the participants uh, joining us this year, uh, we see players from all reaches of the European scene, with more than half of the players coming from abroad, uh, from countries like uh, Luxembourg, Belgium, Sweden, the United Kingdom, Germany and even the Czech Republic. We were also joined uh, by players for our other gaming systems from countries like France and Denmark. So we are truly becoming an international wargaming weekend and event. We would also like to very much thank all of the participants uh, joining us from all over Europe for making this edition one for the books. Uh, we had a lot of fun and it was a, an amazing atmosphere. And... Uh, we shouldn't forget our fellow TOs uh, who helped us uh, organize even more events this time and all of the volunteers helping run the events even more smoothly than previous years. Uh, it wouldn't even be possible without all of you people, lovely people. Um, if uh, you people listening uh, would like to keep up to date with our events for next year, uh, come find us at Facebook as uh, Alliance Open or on Instagram as the Tabletop Alliance. And uh, we hope to welcome you next year for one of our premium events. So the Open would come down to four undefeated players going into round six. Alex, stay hydrated, Harrison, and his Raven Guard Iron Hands Assault Centurion Extravaganza would take on Tank and Spank Roberts, Iron Hands Air on stream. While two brothers from, Sw from Sweden, Mikkel, Michael, and Thomas Christensen, 
would represent the Harambe Rangers. May he rest in peace on table two. Now, Mikhail and Thomas, they're a bit shy. If you check out the stream over at Alliance Open on Twitch, you'll get to see a bit of that nervousness in the third game when Mikhail would play rude Steenbeckers on camera for the, his first time. Because of this, they weren't super comfortable recording any audio for us. So instead, their teammate and 40k stats correspondent, Johan the Barometer Barander, or Barander, I don't know, did his best to send us their thoughts in written form. Now, Pete did warn them that this meant it was highly likely that I would read the email out loud in my Swedish chef voice, but they were nonplussed. Before we summarize what they said, let's take a look at their lists. If you're interested in following along or just want to see the full list and results for yourselves, head on over to punpun.nl. Or if you are just interested in the final top four, yes, punpun.nl. That's a real thing. P-U-N-P-U-N.nl. Final top four. They are available at 40kstats.com. That's 40kstats.com. Now let's get down to business. What about the battle of brotherly love? Well, I got the lists up here, so we'll take a quick look at Mikhail Christensen's list. Um, he ran a Ravenguard uh, successor battalion with a Slaplin, that's a chaplain with a jump pack, and the Benediction of Fury relic. He then had a captain with jump pack with a power fist and storm shield, a Phobos lieutenant, a few scout squads, a couple eliminator squads, and a thunderfire cannon. He had a then he added on an Astra Militarum battalion, Talarn with the Emperor's fist. Uh, he had two tank commanders, one plasma, one battle cannon, three infantry squads, and he topped it all off with a housecrest, knight crusader, and two helverins. All right. Yeah, that's the list. It's a it's a pretty hot and heavy list. I mean, a lot of people have moved away from souping in uh, Imperium in favor of just going pure Marines. But there's something to be said for those t uh, tank commanders and the Crash Crusader sitting back pumping out shots while you've got uh, you know just a couple slam captains or their their kind of Raven Guard version uh, hitting up people hot and heavy when they least expect it. Yeah, absolutely. It's got a lot of board presence too. And, For sure. And uh, sticky things that can hang out in ruins. And, of course, the Thunderfire Cannon, everyone's favorite. Yeah. And, I mean, those Talarn tank commanders, they definitely do work because they move so much faster than can be expected. Uh, they can be outflanked if you need them. It's it's a it's a really good list. There's there's no complaints here, obviously. I mean, he did win the event. Oh. Did he, oh, though? No. Oh, no. I blew the lead. Who cares? Let's talk about his brother, Thomas Christensen, who played a uh, ally talk battalion with a Farseer and two Warlock Skyrunners. He had three units of Rangers and a big old uh, eight-man block of Shining Spears. He then had an ally talk spearhead with an Otark Skyrunner, three Fire Prisms, and he topped it off with an ally talk air wing with three Crimson Hunter Exarchs and a Hemlock Wraith Fighter. This is kind of the standard par for the course uh, Eldar list we were seeing kind of prior to the Marine meta coming in. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're seeing it come back uh, to a degree. There's been a few changes. A lot of people like to run the custom craft worlds now um, just to get a little more mileage out of uh, the Crimson Hunters and, and the troop choices. Yep. But uh, and also, you know, having a two plus uh, invuln save on Shining Spears is not a bad thing with the new Exarch powers. Not too shabby. Uh, Shot an nope. entire uh, Richard Siegler uh, Tau list into one and didn't kill it. Yeah, I bet you didn't because that's frustrating as fudge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, very good, Pete. 
hey, listen, I'm trying. After last week when we had the, that heart-to-heart about uh, Brenton's son, I was like, I'm going to do my best to to tone down the language. I get too excited about this game. It it's, makes my heart so full. Anyway, so those are the lists. Um, we did, like I said, receive an email from uh, Johan with a kind of a brief breakdown. I'd ask Val to read it in the Swedish voice, but it's really more just a, a very brief summary of what happened. Um, so, Val, do you want to go over it? Do you want me to just cover the, the highlights? What do you think? started to play for the key at the 16. So we've been playing for the last 16 years. At first, mostly casual games with the fringe. I think that's all I got. I don't... <laughs> I don't even... It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I know. I don't think there's a more savagely insulting uh, accent, be like <laughs> no, no, th- there is than the Swedish chef, and he is just—he is awful. He's a cruel, cruel parody of Swedish people. Yeah. Do you want to actually go into uh, the like the the briefs on this now, or oh, I don't know if you're we're recording, recording things. No, I am fully recording. Oh, great, perfect. All right, all right. So I guess what we were trying to really paraphrase there is that Thomas, after experimenting with you know his original loves, Space Wolves and Necrons, like many, uh, to, to cut it in the competitive scene, he switched over to Eldar, which uh, appealed to him for you know excellent internal synergies, uh, as well as you know ability to be everywhere on the board, be forgiving, um, and be very killy as well. Thomas uh, continues on to state that he, he his MVP was definitely the Shining Spears. They did a lot of work in all of his games, um, and that his hardest matchup was against an Iron Hands Air Force. Um, he managed to get first turn, Alpha Strike the army, drop them down. Um, and then he also had to mention that, uh, of course, losing his the final to his brother uh, was, was a, a rough go. Those tank commanders did a lot of work, and then when his... Uh, the Smash Chaplain and the Captains used the redeploy stratagem um, that uh, that Raven Guard have access to. Um, it let them get into his fire prisms immediately, and it was uh, not a good time for him. Um, in terms of Mikhail, um, he just wants to say, you know, he's been playing just a little bit le- less time than his brother has. Uh, he's, he's the younger brother, by the way. Uh, awesome event. He said it was excellent. He loved the food, which I hear from everybody. Uh, to the point where the Go-Go Harambe Rangers, which is probably the third best uh, Warhammer 40k team name we've seen, um, are signed up for their their team tournament. He wanted to add that he felt like his knight was was essentially the MVP in most of his games, mm-hmm. although the tank commanders did do a lot of work. Mikhail would ultimately come out on top as best overall at the event, mm-hmm. beating his brother Thomas with the combined might of the Imperium, and no doubt finishing a sibling rivalry that is, was forged in silent passive aggression that only a Swede could truly understand. On the stream table, the story was a bleak one for Tank Roberts. Despite being the greatest member of the CrossFit community Warhammer has to offer, Tank's air wing just could not hold hold up to the furious damage output of Harrison's Raven Guard and Iron Hands, losing three flyers before Harrison even deep-struck in two of his Centurion squads on turn two. The game would end decisively for Alex and clinch him as best general at the event, losing best overall to uh, Michael uh, due to list submission issues, costing him a point deduction. Uh, Let's take a quick gander at Alex's monstrosity of a list and then hear from the main man himself, he has a lot to say and definitely chose not to take part in anything unsavory in Amsterdam for sure, probably mostly 
Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, he definitely, definitely. Uh, anyway, Alex Harrison, he's got your kind of becoming the new norm Raven Guard Iron Hands list. Um, he's got a Raven Guard successor battalion where he took stealthy and long range marksmen, which is uh, something a little new. A lot of people had been going with master artisans. We're starting to see the switch to long range marksmen as people drop off eliminators and things out of their lists in exchange for just more centurions. Um, in it, he has a chaplain. Um, he's got a lieutenant. He's got three squads of scouts. He then has a second Raven Guard successor, also stealthy and long-range marksman, with a second chaplain, this one with a jump pack, a captain with jump pack uh, of the smash variety, three uh, squads of five scouts, and then 15 assault centurions. He tops it all off with an Iron Hand successor, this one master artisans and long-range marksman, going for that chaplain dread, two Thunderfire cannons, and the two twin Laz Cannon Mortis Dreadnought. So this is obviously just a crap ton of firepower. He's making use of the long-range marksmen, um, mostly for the flamers on those Assault Centurions, but also just to get that extra a little bit of range um, on the Thunderfires, uh, because it can make a big difference. Uh, that extra three inches, a lot of people uh, don't account for it when they're deploying, and uh, you can catch some people off guard. Yeah, that's what Manny Chima was talking about when he was on. I guess he started running a almost very similar list uh, to this. Yes, I believe the only difference is he does take a squad of uh, Devastator Centurions yeah. uh, uh, instead of one of the Assault uh, squads, or less Assault uh, Centurions, I should say. I think he runs only 11 instead of 15. Quick question, as I'm currently... Um spending way too much money on space marines does the ch is the chaplain dread does it still have a model or is it or no is... It, it was discontinued a so few years back so, so it's, it's highly likely yeah. it'll be a legend i mean who knows gw's yeah. done some crazy things before yeah. um but yes highly likely come december it'll be put in the legend pile with everything else that is a big old pile of sadness mm -hmm. more for orcs than for marines but it is what it is Oh, a fair amount of models for Marines. But we digress. Why don't we kick it over to the main man himself, Alex Harrison, who uh, very succinctly walks us through his tournament experience. Mm, that's the word I would use. So the event itself, um, it was a, a six-game GT, or major, sorry, um, using all the ITC missions. Um, and I knew that the GT had quite decent uh, spread of terrain from the pictures uh, that they were putting up. Uh, so I decided to take um, <clears throat> a slightly different marine build um, to what we've seen recently, especially in the UK. So the list kind of worked uh, in contendum with uh, like an alpha and a beta strike. So the alpha strike is the last cannons from the Mortis Dread and the uh, Chaplain Dread, um, along with two Thunderfire cannons. And sometimes I deploy one, <clears throat> one of the assault squads, uh, assault sent squads, which will redeploy with the Warlord trait. And then just press forward or get into a position um, which will put the opponent under pressure. Um, and then the beta strike is the other two units of Assault Sense will drop down. Um, hopefully in range of a chaplain to give the plus two to charge. Um, so they only have a seven inch charge, um, which is really nice. And of course the actual shooting from them as well uh, is unbelievable from turn two. So um, by turn three, most of my games were kind of over, um, one way or the other. One thing in reference to my list when you're looking at it, um, 
It's got a lot of combos. Um, don't expect it just to walk across the board and do well. Uh, there's a lot of stratagems that you need to look at, uh, mortal traits as well. Uh, notably, I use a lot of CPs before the game uh, to redeploy a unit. Um, I also take an extra... Um, Extra Warlord trait for uh, the Advance and Charge trait, which is amazing, especially on the Assault Sense, because they're so slow, it just gives them a bit of speed. Um, they can obviously still shoot their Flamers when they Assault, um, when they Advance, sorry. Um, so yeah, they're quite mobile um, when you do have that trait. And then uh, there's another trait for Ignore Overwatch, which is really nice for the Smash Captain, um, just to get into those planes or into a Tower Gun line, etc., um, and there's some really nice um, stratagems. One of the notable ones is the plus one to wound against targets with four more, four or more wounds that isn't a vehicle. Uh, that's really nice. So the MVP of the army has to be the Assault Centurions. They are so strong, um, really durable, have lots of stratagems from the Raven Guard that um, sort of keeps them around or, or gets them in uh, involved with pre-game stuff or during the game, obviously deep strikes and stuff like that. And transhuman keeps them alive. Uh, having all the CPs that I had meant that I could actually use a lot of the decent stratagems that um, they have access to, uh, which I think is really important. Um, obviously, all being stealth as well was really strong. Um, kept them alive against a lot of stuff, especially when I baited um, some opponents to go shoot them. If they weren't within 12, they just weren't dying as easy as they thought. Uh, the scouts as well, uh, because there's 30 of them, even in the open, having a 3 plus save, they are really annoying to deal with um so yeah uh, i really like the character dreadnoughts as well i think they might be on the broken side not not being able to target dreadnoughts is pretty strong i uh, just want to give a big shout out to cj who ran the event uh, along with his team uh, awesome event really good guys and uh, you can catch one of my games on this twitch stream uh, i think it's twitch.tv forward slash alliance open um, and also a big shout out to all my opponents. I had really good games throughout. Um, I played um, my friend Tank in the last game. We had an awesome game. He was actually using an army that I wrote for him. Um, so it was really, I was really happy to sort of see him uh, make it to the top table. Um, so we had a really good game at the end. And before that, I played a guy Tim, uh, awesome guy. Played an Iron, another Iron Hands army, Flyers as well. Really tough game. Um, he made a bit. Big mistake, uh, over committing his flyers too early, so he lost two Stormhawks turn two because I blocked them out. Um, but he definitely learnt his lesson and said he wouldn't be doing something like that again. So, yeah, we had a really good tactical game um, in game five. And like I said, all my previous games were awesome. Uh, and my game against Malik, although it was um, <laughs> it was over quite quickly because I got first turn, um, you know, it was still even though we only played I think two or three turns. Um, it was still tactical from both sides, um, and I, I actually learned quite a lot of my own army as well as his, you know, he was using Imperial Fist, so it was all new to me, um, and we had a really good game, so yeah, yeah, it was a really good weekend, for those of you who haven't been, definitely recommend it, um, really good event, awesome guys over there, um, the, pl the venue itself was this really nice four or five star hotel, um, they had amazing food, definitely the best food at an event that I've had so far. A nice hot buffet, sort of pick your own. And it was it was just unreal. You don't sort of see that volume of food um, and quality of food at events, which I hope other people do. Um, so yeah, if you guys are in Europe or even America, definitely uh, it's definitely one of the big ones to hit up uh, next year. 
congrats to all the players and the TOs for putting on another amazing event. Maybe next year I'll get the chance to grace you with my presence. So long as you keep providing those wicked-looking lunches, I'm a big boy. Tournament news. This is Danny. And this is John from the Mob Rules Podcast. And you're listening to 40K Stat Center with Val and his pet falcon, Peter. And with the roar of that wildcat, we return to Florida, where the best players, no one other than the occasional desperate soccer mom, cares about, reside. Sorry, Texas. To quote the great 40K analyst Pablo Martinez just nine months ago, quote, Florida does not have any good players, end quote. (laughs) I love that. After seeing the consistent results from the likes of John, not that one, Lennon, Richard, Milfshake, Siegler, Ruben, Butterfingers, Fernandez, and Mark, the other refrigerator, Perry, we now understand that he obviously meant they only have great ones. And Cody Saltz. Coastal Assault was something like the 45th Armageddon event that took place this season. At this point, we are just guessing because they don't number them, and it really isn't all that important. While the Falcon is generally a sticker for details, you can only declare the impending end of the world so many times before even he gives up. Uh, It's the fourth one. Okay, it's apparently the fourth one. Justin, Curtis, you can't help yourself, can you? It's like a disease. Anyway, Coastal Assault would see 44 intrepid adventurers brave the wilds of Canada's largest retirement home with their eyes on one goal, to become as internet famous as Mark Perry. And folks, if you're asking yourself, who is Mark Perry? Well, then you get the joke. Thankfully, he probably doesn't listen to this show. Yes, that's right. 44 players, 15 of which are members of the lauded Team Brohammer, eight of which finished in the top nine showings at the event, and all of them were thirsty for victory. The one lone exception in this sea of fist bumps and awkward hugs was Val's close personal friend and true Warhammer dinosaur, Paul Murphy of Forge the Narrative. TPL. Paul was recently featured on the Warhammer community website unboxing the new Primaris Mephiston. Hold on. And it was adorable. Is that real? Yeah. Did he cry? I don't. I didn't watch the video. I just saw him looking very happy in the clip. Okay. So, anyway, Games Workshop, please note I will gladly unbox any new products you like and bring it up a notch by having my dog Bronx help me. He is way more camera friendly than Paul. Pandering to our corporate overlords aside, Coastal Assault would culminate in a grand finale of brotastic proportions as Daniel the Anvil Smith would take on Dan Let's Get Some Monsolve on that burn. Boo. I was listening. I was really, I was really stretching. So I'm just going to, okay, listeners, it, I'm just going to read this one again. Dan Let's Get Some Monsolve on that burn. Yeah, see, you name. get it? I think, I think a few of us get it. Two Dans enter, one Dan leaves. Falcon, let's get the tail of the tape. Sure thing. So I don't care about either of these lists. Monsal was running an Eldar air wing. Let's uh-huh. cut to his clips. Excellent. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, as you know, I ran the Eldari air wing. Uh, had your usual Crimson Hunters. Had a hemlock in there. Uh, the three razor wings, you know, for chief flyers, access access to Vect. Um, my, my, you know, I, I think what makes mine a little bit different 
uh, is the three fire prisms that I run. I don't see that very often. Uh, I think it gives me a lot of versatility, gives me the, the high strength, high AP shots uh, needed for the current meta, you know, with your executioners running around the, you know, all over the place, space marines with good uh, armor saves. Uh, so I think that makes my list a little bit different right now uh, than some of, some of the other ones you've seen out there. Um, uh, I also like having the single hemlock in there. I know that's pretty common. Uh, you know, it's good for Jinx. It's pretty pretty uh, stable platform, and it puts out a good amount of damage. My uh, my MVP for the weekend, I would say, would be the uh, triple fire prisms. Again, uh, they give me a lot of versatility for my shooting. They can put out two d six shots uh, if I'm trying to clear out some troops. They can uh, they can put out higher strength, higher AP shots to to deal with the bigger targets. Again, like Executioners, Dreadnoughts. I ran into a couple of Leviathans over the weekend. Really helped me out with that. Uh, I think another big thing is that with uh, seven flyers running around the board, those three fire prisms sitting in the back a lot of times tend to be left alone. People concentrate more on trying to deal with the flyers. And the fire prisms with their link fire stratagem are a real stable backfield platform that just put out constant damage. Uh, they're very consistent. Uh, with the reroll hits and wounds, uh, they just do a lot of work for me. Some highlights of the tournament for me uh, were basically, to me, was the fact that uh, I played four out of my five games were against uh, Space Marines of all different kinds. Um, you know, round one, I played Imperial Fist. Round two, Ultramarines. Round three, um, I played Iron Hands. Round four was the only round I didn't play against Marines. It was uh, against a Chaos List, Mark Perry. Um, and round five again, Iron Hands. Uh, fortunately, all my practice games lately have been against Space Marines. I know right now that that's just the, you know, what you're gonna see at a tournament. And if you're trying to make it to top tables, you're bound to run into them at one point or another. So, you know, winning three out of the four Space Marine games, I think, was the highlight. I think I was able to get some good practice in and kind of learn how to deal with the uh, the Space Marine uh, menace that we have right now in the meta. Thank you, Dan. Now, uh, Pete, would you like to go into depth on other Dan's amazing list? Nope, but I will. Uh, Dan is running essentially Iron Hand's good stuff. He's got a Dreadnought in there, mm -hmm. Repulsor. He's got Iron Father Pharos, right. um, a little bit of an Air Wing. It's all the stuff you know and love, but just spread out over everywhere. Beautiful. You know, I think we're, we're stumbling on a much more optimized format. Let's kick it over to other Dan. Hey there, this is Daniel Smith from the Florida Man 40K podcast and Team Brohammer. Thanks for having me on there, Butterfinger. I really appreciate it. What do you mean, Butterfinger? Like, everyone knows it's Reuben. Reuben's hands are like they're covered in margarine all the time. So, I know some people were kind of scared by the FAQ, uh, even asking Games Workshop for a refund uh, on their Facebook page. However, uh, instead, I fully embraced the FAQ, took Iron Father Pharos by the hand, and said, let's get another one. The glorious European meta tells the future, and I just had to follow along. So, of course, I had the single Repulsor Executioner with the Ironstone, the Quad Laz Mortis Dread made him a character, three Flyers, all Stormhawks. You know, uh, what they've been doing over there in Europe for the last three weeks, I had to copy it, uh, even though lists were due before any of those tournament results came out. As always, when your two Dan's fight, someone always comes out the loser. And in this case, it was those poor, poor Eldar Flyers. 
that just could not stand up to the gentle ministrations of the Iron Father. So highlights from Top Table, uh, obviously Top Table I played my buddy Dan Smith, we're both part of the uh, Brohammer Club down here in Florida. Um, we had spoken about that matchup quite a bit. Uh, a lot of it came down to whoever could go first and do the most damage to the other person. Um, we'd played a practice game before. Uh, again, coming down to first turn, you know, it was a big part of it. I was able to get first turn, um, and then the time came for him to roll for C's. Uh, he rolled that six, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. He was able to take that win. Um, you know, some of, some of the highlights of the game itself was me, you know, first turn losing two Crimson Hunters, essentially, in a hemlock. Uh, you know, I was still able to retaliate and do some good damage, kill the executioner, kill one of the flyers. Um, you know, Liz still performed well, but uh, at the end of the day, it just wasn't enough. Um, you know, Dan's a great opponent, and, and it was a great game. Or was it? So that's enough about the Iron Hands. I'll go ahead and tell you about uh, my best moment, which was, of course, top table against Dan Monsalve and his nasty Eldar flyer list. Uh, he was going to go first and completely destroy me, but, you know, sometimes you decide you really need this six, you drop a six, seize the initiative, and from there, uh, Iron Hands do what Iron Hands do, and they remove stuff. And that's what I did. I removed a lot of stuff. But to be a little bit serious, it was absolutely an awesome event. Coastal Assault uh, was great. Carter Leach, the TO, great guy. Uh, I mess with him all the time at events. We go back and forth. Uh, Justin Pizzoferrato was was helping out as TO. He was a head judge, another great guy. Um, he, he handled rules disputes very efficiently. Uh, totally great event. I'm definitely planning on going back. I had five great opponents. I absolutely just... It was a great weekend. Um, even if I would have gone 0 and 5, you know, it would have been a ton of fun, a lot of camaraderie, um, beautiful armies there. I can't say enough about how great this event was. And uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun. I do want to say one last thing about my top table opponent, Dan Monsolve. Um, I've been playing with and against Dan since uh, 7th edition. We've played in multiple GTs against each other. Uh, we've been on the same ATC team. Um, I, I've, I've had a bunch of history and a bunch of time with Dan, uh, so I, I loved getting to play against him top table. It was honestly the most fun, chill game. Uh, we were joking, uh, just messing around, drinking, having a good old time. Uh, you would have thought we were bottom table, not top table, with just how much we were laughing and having fun. Uh, so I, I look forward to playing Dan again uh, at another GT, hopefully on top table again, and he'll get it next time because he almost had me. Even with me going first and everything kind of going my way, he still, I mean, was one one or two die rolls away from taking that uh, win right out from underneath me. So it was a ton of fun uh, and nothing but love to Dan. Lastly, big grats to Paul Murphy for coming in third with extremely difficult to play Iron Hands Air Wing. Look, actually, Paul's been busting his hump. I don't know if you guys have been watching. Uh, he, uh, he's been working very hard to paint those iron hands as actual iron hands. Not true, actually. I think they're Alpha Legion. No. What's the Horus? What, what's Horus's Legion? The Sons of Horus? Luna Wolves? Yeah, Luna Wolves. The Black Legion. They've had like eight names. Anywho, they look great. And way to go, Tiger, getting back in there. Third place, you animal. Anyway, that's all from Florida. We're going to go scrub away all the grime while you catch this bump. Power Gaming Podcast. Power 
gaming butt uh, Power gaming butt Oh, look at my list It's so lead Power gaming butt Power gaming butt What are you going to do? I'm so fucking awesome Cause of my list Tournament news. Hey everybody, I'm Paul Murphy from Forge the Narrative, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center. Ah, Portland, Oregon. The city that tried really hard to be Seattle, but then shit got weird. Portland is the answer to the question, can you be too quirky? And it's the hot locale of the next event we're covering today, the Stumptown Stomp. In researching Portland, Oregon, so as to make fun of it, I discovered that Portland is essentially Vancouver. Uh, a Canadian city. You've got your incredibly overpriced real estate with no fundamentals supporting it, your hipster tropes of coffee, avocado toast, brunch, and underemployment, and you've got your miserable but temperate weather. Fundamentally, though, Portland will always have a gritty edge over Vancouver because it's still America, and no matter how much twee you might have on Instagram, there's still the pervasive threat of gun crime without the security of health coverage. And Fred Armisen. Right? So this event, let's call it the Stumptown Stomp. It was a 30-something player aspirational major that wound up as a try-hard GT. It featured all the bells and whistles, such as a pizza lunch and access to actual drinking water. Um, The Stomp itself, it seemed to please everyone who attended, more or less. Now this is a GT report from the Pacific Northwest, which means only one thing. Somewhere out there is a man. Let's just say that his confidence is high and he's moving to DEFCON 2. His full strategic arsenal is ready for deployment. This sophisticated sex robot has traveled through time to do one thing and only one thing. Win a GT. That's right, ladies. It's the Shermanator. And he's back. That's right. That lovable human bulldog and co-host of the Best in Faction podcast, Colin Sherman, has returned for what is rightfully his rulership of the competitively tame Pacific Northwest. Having doffed the chains of the greater good and returned to the always oppressive Eldar fold, Colin brought along some new tech to test his mettle. You got a second to listen to a list, Val? Perhaps you have a moment to listen to me read a list. So here we go, Colin, the Shermanator Sherman's Stumptown Stomp Eldari list, starting off with a battalion detachment. And that's right, Pete, I got rid of all periods today. It's a custom craft world of his own devising. Expert crafters and masterful shots. What are those, Pete? Expert crafters is the good part of the salamander's uh, chapter tactic, Mm -hmm. and masterful shots is the good part of the imperial fist chapter tactic. So he ignores cover, and he re-rolls one shot per unit. Excellent. And plus one wound, etc. Lovely. And then uh, this is led by a Farseer Skyrunner. Uh, nothing too fancy there. And a Warlock Skyrunner. Under the troop selections, he's got two units of Dire Avengers uh, with the x Power Bladestorm. Might be something new, not even sure. And then Storm Guardians, he's got eight of them to round out that battalion. Then there's an Airwing Detachment, three Crimson Hunter Exarchs, uh, Rockin' Star Cannons, and Hawkeye, which I think gives them a better ballistic skill, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. instead of re-rolling something. 
Uh, and then finally, there's a spearheaded detachment. Look at me with my knowledge. Again, expert crafters, masterful shots. Uh, it's got an Autark, or Otark, if you're Pete. Um, and a force shield with a Starglaive and a Warlock. And then under Fast Attack, we got a unit of Swooping Hawks using Swooping Barrage as the Exarch power. And then, hey, guys, haven't seen you in a while. Welcome back. It's Dark Reapers. Nine of them. And then an Exarch with the Tempest Launcher and the humbly titled Exarch Power Reign of Death. Reign of Death. Reign of Death. Reroll the shots, I assume, or something like that? You got it. Reroll the number of shots. Oh, that's so nice. And then we have a, uh, oh, three Night Spinners. So delightful at just 114 points. And two Wave Serpents. Um, round it all out for 1,999 points. I think that was a delightful stroll through the details of the Shermanator's list. You did a very good job, Al. I'm extremely proud of you. Normally you you stumble through that like a lazy drunk, but uh, yeah, you're starting to become a pro. I'm very proud. The only thing that was wanting uh, in this whole segment was your analogy for my sloppiness. Well, now we've got it. (laughs) All right, so... What's next? Because I'm not looking at the script anymore. Oh, well, I think you're supposed to just play a couple clips from Colin here because he does a pretty good job of explaining why he uh, did what he did. That's true. And uh, he seemed annoyed that I even asked him because obviously he's got his own podcast to talk about it elsewhere. Very true. Working on my list was an interesting challenge. Uh, I think the Psychic Awakening book makes it really clear that Eldar are a lot more efficient at shooting than they used to be, and most Eldar players seem to be just going all in on how efficient they can shoot. The problem is that Marines, especially Iron Hands and Imperial Fists, are already better than us at shooting, and it's not going to get you're not going to win a matchup sitting across from them and just shooting them. So I needed some sort of jank to overcome that. I realized that I could kill and direct fire really quickly, and if I did that, then Dark Reapers would be safe. So my list is all about clearing the table control that can get to the Dark Reapers and then fire and fading them all game while I hide, basically, and pick things up. My MVP was absolutely the Dark Reapers. The plan worked great, even against both Iron Hands players that I played against. Uh, I found that, yes, they would by the end of the game I would nearly be tabled, but if they didn't have the ability to get to the Dark Reapers and I was careful, careful with my command points that I would be able to get enough kills, especially late, to uh, pass them on points. My favorite moment from the tournament was actually game four against the Iron Hands player with a really great list that had flyers and uh, an executioner and a whole bunch of stuff. And he went first and hit me really incredibly hard. And I really thought early in that game that I was going to lose it, and I just kept grinding on it. And on turn four, I realized that if I pushed all of my infantry and such towards him, he'd pick it all up in one turn. And on five and six, I could get him to not kill anything. By doing that, and by getting the kill from the Fire and Fading Dark Reapers, I was able to, squ- to squeak ahead of him at the end there by a few points, simply because I was able to, to uh, get him to kill my trash early on. The top table game against Necrons. Uh, Necrons are actually really hard for Eldar, especially when you're not running a Laotok. Uh It was very long Hammer and Anvil, where the only way I could have my Dark Reapers is being three inches from the edge of the table edge, and... His Doomsday Arcs were three inches from the other end of the table edge, so they were very hard for me to reach. The game came down to him having taken Recon, which forced him to actually try to come to me, 
and I could just kind of hide and pick him off as he came at me. If he had realized how much of my army he had killed on about turn four and had the Doomsday Arc start coming across the table and just shooting everything, I really would have had no answer for them and the game would not, I would not have won the game. But by just sitting back and playing KG and watching the last few turns very carefully to get every point advantage I could, I was able to squeak it out. Um, if, the exact, if, if he gets to go first again on that same table with what he learned, I don't win it the second time. Uh, alternatively, if I had gone first, the game would have been over really quickly just because of how hard I could have hit his army. Thank you very much, Colin. And as I, uh, as I mentioned before, of course, Colin is one of three co-hosts, two consistent co-hosts of the Best in Faction podcast, a great show. Peter. Yes, it, <laughs> yeah, yes, Best in Factions is an actual really good podcast, surprisingly. Uh, it's got Colin on it, uh, Mitch Pelham, who is like the master of uh, going over the most broken possible list designs you can ever imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Chuck Arnett, he's the latest edition, and really not all that late. He's been on there for, I don't know, six, nine months now. Um, really adding a, a unique perspective uh, to the podcast, both in the fact that he's kind of a returnee to the game, hasn't played in a long time, and he's making his way back up the the charts. He's kind of like what Colin was when the show first started. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really good to, to have all three of them. They bring each bring their, their unique take on the game. It's a really good listen. Um, I'm uh, I'm a definite subscriber to it. I do uh, listen when I can. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a good my, show. My favorite part about the show is that every time something new comes out, Colin is just heartbroken. Like he's just he's been devastated by every shift in the meta since metas have been shifting, and and I've just loved the emotional roller coaster that guy's on. <laughs> It is something uh, that is really enjoyable to live vicariously through. That's right. It's it's not quite as good as Adam and Bram was getting drunk uh, and recording a three-hour podcast with uh, f- for the best general when the Blood Angels Codex came out um, and just being so sad. Um, but I digress. So uh, heartfelt congrats once again to the Shermanator. Also, listen to this. He's going to plug a really great event. Now it's second year. Um, that's right. It's time for Charity Hammer. Uh, Pete, you gonna you gonna show? Uh, yeah. So, um, I'm not on the official invitee list as of yet, but I just found out today that uh, Charity Hammer is going to be a go for the Falcon. I'll be flying my way down to Seattle to provide uh, commentary support so long as I can make the seven-hour drive uh, to the airport. Well, uh, I'll tell you, um, as a 40K charity case myself, I'm surprised that I haven't been invited, but that's fine. Uh, I'll just continue eating chocolate bars until I find the golden ticket. Hey, all you have to do is create a website devoted to statistical analysis mm-hmm. of Warhammer 40K right. and uh, be a complete dickhole about Dark Angels, and everyone will love you. What if you started a podcast with a guy with a really good website who then people will confuse with you? I mean, hey, hey, whatever you, whatever way you want to get to stardom, my man. Riding on them coattails. Over to you, Colin. Oh, yeah. I would like to use this opportunity to plug Charity Hammer. Uh, I'm from the Best in Faction podcast. We sponsor a charity streaming event the first weekend in January. This will be the second year we've done it. We have a lot of people uh, coming out to my place in Seattle. We're going to be streaming for 40 hours straight on 48 hours straight on two different streams. 
and we're going to be doing high-level competitive play as well as explanations about what's involved and what people are thinking and what they're doing. It'll be after chapter approved and right before LVO. It should be a great time, and it's the whole point of it is to raise money for Child's Play, which is a charity that, that uh, helps uh, sick kids get access to toys and games and things. It's really great. So I look forward to that, and I hope everybody's able to watch. Tournament News. This is Colin. This is Mitch. This is Chuck. And we're from the Best in Faction podcast, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center, where one host has a really strange nickname, and the other one's called the Falcon. Our final stop on this road to perdition is Twisted Onslaught 2, held at the Leighton Buzzard Royal Legion in Bedfordshire, UK. The mostly fine fellows at Twisted Dice Gaming managed to rid the place of enough of its elderly line dancers and bingo enthusiasts long enough to get in a slick six-round ITC event. What's that, Falcon? Six rounds? In the United Kingdom Queen's country? What? They must be mad. No one has ever run a six-round Warhammer event in the United Kingdom. I'm pretty sure there are laws against that kind of stuff. Perhaps even nailed up on the doors of a church or, or, or decreed by a bunch of uprising barons. The, the way some of the players talk about it, you'd think their armies would turn into pumpkins if they were out past 5 p.m. on a Sunday. We had T.O. and pioneer John Aceface Hickton give us the lowdown. Hi guys, this is John Hickton, um, or some know me as Aceface. Um, this is uh, Twisted Onslaught 2, was an event that we ran over the weekend. Uh, it's a six round uh, GT, so we had 30 players. Uh, obviously it's the second Twisted Onslaught, but I've been running events probably for about uh, six years now, um, of various different... So one of the big ideas was I wanted to try and um, convince other TOs and organisers in the UK uh, to, to look at six rounds because I think that there's definitely something to be said about trying to make it more of a normal thing. So it was a bit of a test really because it's a pretty small, a small event to run six rounds but I think the players um, really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was not too bad to run. Um, and just having three free games on the Saturday and free games on the Sunday uh, seemed to go down really well with everybody. Uh, the main thing for, for us, obviously, we run Twisted Dice, the YouTube channel, and do lots of other bits and pieces. Um, and we do take a big pride in our terrain. So all of our tables uh, were really... Uh, really full of terrain so we had particularly on our top five tables we had really dense terrain which really factored quite heavily in uh, giving everybody the opportunity to actually play to the mission um, and it made for some really exciting games the meta was quite heavily space marines i think we had sort of 10 players out of the 30 that were playing space marines um, but i was surprised to see the the end result uh, yeah so it's a uh, just shows that even though Space Marines are very heavy in the meta, there are other armies that seem to be able to compete, which was really interesting to see it play out on the battlefield. When this absolute marathon of an event ended, only one player was left undefeated. Playing a list inspired by the great Canadian treasure himself, Devin the Swan Song Swan, but then turning it up to 11, was William McKinstry. Let's take a quick look at this list monstrosity before letting the winner speak for himself. Well, it's Tau. I feel right at home, so let's go here. Twisted Onslaught 2, first place Tau list. We've got a Spearhead Detachment uh, with a Commander with four Fusions 
and long strike with two smart missile systems and an ion cannon loaded up with the seeker missiles. Everything's going to have max seeker missiles here. In heavy support, we got three hammerhead gunships with ion cannon. And then there's another spearhead detachment. This one also has a cold star with four fusions. Um, and uh, this one is interesting because it is far sight on cloves. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, this um, fusion commander is able to have both Hero of the Enclaves as well as Fusion Blades, which is a relic you never see because who the hell ever ever runs uh, the um, Close Combat Tau? Yeah, exactly. Anywho, um, two, uh, sorry, one shield drum with this guy. And then we got three Skyray gunships. And then look out. It's an air wing detachment, Farsight, Enclaves, three Sunshark bombers, uh, each one with uh, market light, missile pods, interceptor drones, and maxed out seeker missiles. It all coming in at 1,998 points. Kind of fun. This is actually uh, is not like Devin's most recent MechTow list. I don't think he had the commanders, and um, he ran um, Forge World Hammerhead SMS platform things. So like it was yes. just it was just like so many hammerheads. Uh, it was all hilarious. of them. Oh, high yield missile pod hammerheads. That's what they were. Yes. Yeah. No, this is a pretty interesting list. I like the. I don't know if I like, but the addition of Farsight enclaves is is unique. Enclaves. Gives him that. It gives him that uh, that close combat punch if the if the fusion blasters fail to do the job at range. Um, not to mention, you know, the re-roll wounds uh, when they get up close and personal, right? That's what Farsight Enclaves does, Re right? It's uh, the re-roll re ones to wound, to wound when you're within half? Within six inches. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Well, you'd be the second person to ever think that was cool. The first is probably Will himself. So why don't we kick it over to Will and he can walk us through this mechanized madness. So I decided to go for Mechtown, and I've I've heard this list existed um, similar to it, but a lot of people have stuff on the ground like Fire Warriors or Marksmen and that. I just wanted an entire fly list so nothing could ever get tied up. I wanted a fast list, a mobile list, um, a list that could deal out a huge amount of firepower, but also would be quite tricky to get uh, secondaries against. Um, and, and the primaries also work quite well uh, because you it, it's very difficult to get kill more against me unless you're starting to wipe out my army, in which case the game would be over anyway. My MVP for the weekend is a very, very strange choice. Now, whilst the tanks did amazingly, the flyers did amazingly, as did the commanders, as you would expect, I had 10 points extra and I took one shield run because I had nothing else to take. That guy, because basically my whole army goes forward, my whole army advances, this was the guy that was stuck in a building, out of sight for the entire game, sitting on the objective at the back, making sure I didn't have to sacrifice a tank or a commander to sit at the back to get that objective. And one game, it took two volleys from a Thunderfire cannon, <laughs> even though it couldn't see, and survived. The thing was... The hardest drone I've ever seen. The top table final game, that was uh, a tricky one. The turning point for the whole game was literally before the game started. I was against a double Yuvara and list a burst tide and an ion tide, and I needed to go first, uh, which I didn't. But the turning point was we got Hammer Anvil. So I was able to backline <coughs> everything. And then in one turn, 
I killed three Riptides. And that, that was the fastest damage in like game-ending turn that I had the entire tournament because the second that that happened, it was like, okay, cool, we know where we're going. And i got to give a big shout-out to Ken, my opponent. Took it like an absolute champ, given how decimated the, his army was. And that, that was um, a very, very big turning point was the, the Hammer Anvil because had it not been that map, I, I do wonder how it would have turned Congratulations, William, on the fine performance and for making legible clips for us to play. And congratulations to Aceface and the gang for proving that you can run a six-round event in England with a very low casualty count. Who would have thought it possible? Perhaps consider doing this the next time you're looking to run a 100-plus person event? Or don't. We're not your moms. We're more like your mostly absent dads, and we don't have time for your shit. And on that very... Uh, upbeat and positive note. Why don't we kick it over to Ace Face uh, so he can plug his plethora of content creation. So definitely watch this space for future Twisted Dice tournaments. Uh, we'll probably have one more sort of GT around this sort of size, around the 30 to 32. Um, and then after that, we're currently in the process of looking for a, a quite a large venue uh, to kind of bring it on because we're selling out so quickly. There's a massive demand for what we're doing. So look out for that. Um, definitely some exciting stuff to come. And if you haven't already, please do check out Twisted Dice um, on Facebook, YouTube, podcasts you name it we're all over the place so to check us out thanks for having us on guys take care bye tournament news hi i'm chris from canhammer and you're listening to 40k stat center chris from canhammer that reminds me of the canhammer team tournament yes a fine event that normally in most years would take place in the springtime in the more western part of southeastern ontario but no the fine people at Canhammer have decided to bring it all back home because that's where they keep the terrain out in Ottawa and move it into the mm, butt cheeks of February, the crevasse of the deep winter. I don't know mm. how else to, to put it. I'm Probably not really... the, the best time to go to Ottawa is when it's absolutely freezing cold. Yeah. Uh, they do. But I mean, at least you can go fest. skating on the St. Lawrence. It's true. You can go skating on a, on a, on a river, the Rideau. Rideau? Yes, I don't know. Rideau Canal. Rideau Canal, yeah. It's not a river, it's a canal, it's man-made. Um, yeah. We're not doing a good job of selling the event because I think they want two more teams. Oh, okay. Oh, they want us to sell it. Yeah. Oh, hey, guys, you should go to the Canhammer team tournament. It's going to get you a bunch of ITC points, maybe, as long they, as they get two more teams. They need two more teams. Because right um, now it's a glorified RTT. I mean, really. Yeah, to be fair. But, I mean, it's a glorious glorified rtt uh, yeah. have you seen the terrain these guys put out i mean, I mean come nice on terrain. and it's gonna be i don't know if you guys caught the coverage for capital city bloodbath starring myself and this guy mostly this guy and rob symes uh but it's gonna be in the same location so it's right by the ottawa airport I wouldn't risk walking from the airport to the venue no at this time of year it, you could literally no. die yeah um, but um like an uber's like four dollars because it is very close. It's super like it, close. Yes. It's not. It's not an issue at all to make your way over. You can even use one of those old taxi cab you services. Could, you could hail a cab, or um, and I think it's like seven dollars. I because I had to hail a cab. My Uber app wasn't working that day. That's something. Uh, yeah. So guys, like you should head on out. Uh, yep. We're selling this still very poorly. Dog sled. You could take a dog sled. You could. Um, don't do that. I mean, um, it's kind of cruel. I don't know how yeah. the editor is still allowed to happen, but well. I'm sure they, they get treated properly at some point. Um, what else can yeah. we say? 
Uh, yeah. Darren and Chris are awesome dudes, and the rest of the Canhammer team are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, if the if the table if the team tournament is anything like Capital City Bloodbath, like it is absolutely from a organizational perspective the best event I've ever gone to. I will not. I'm not going to lie to you. The Canhammer team tournament. Um, when it was run previously, was easily my favorite event of the year every year, um, followed by stupid Capital City Bloodbath. So, yes, I'm kissing their asses, and I am the sworn enemy of Canhammer uh, because they're elitist douches. But I mean, yeah, that is true, both uh, of them. Um, I can't say anything that is true and hurtful about their event. I can say hurtful things about their event, but it wouldn't also be true because... Yeah, it would all be lies. So what we're trying to say here, America, because it's mostly America, but maybe, you know, whatever else is out there, maybe uh, Europe. um, Maybe super eastern Canada. um, You guys out there, I know you're all bad at 40K, but go to the team tournament. You'll learn. Florida would love Ottawa in the winter. Florida. I mean, all of our Ottawaians, Ottawagans, they go there. Yeah, there's probably like empty airplanes. Like flying back to Canada, fly back up to Canada right? and replace the seniors that we're sending there that time of year. I think Precisely. it's perfect. I mean, it's probably super cheap because just and I bet it's like a cultural exchange. We could f- put something together where it's like we'll send you our seniors, you send us our your youthful, exuberant forty k players. Yeah, like s- suburban Ottawa in the winter is about as much of a wasteland as Florida is at any time of the year. That's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. and. So, I think we did a good job. Slayed it. Um, one thing also that, um, in all in all seriousness, we should also plug is I think a kindred spirit of content creation. Luckily, only in the print form. Goonhammer. Yeah, Goonhammer. Uh, I've been killing it. I've been talking up these guys whenever I get the chance. Not so much on this podcast, which I really should have been since it's my main form. Uh, mm-hmm. But these guys have been. I mean, they've been doing articles for a long time. But I found, especially in the last. Uh, three, four months, they've been really nailing some awesome uh, statistically based articles on the the state of the meta, on like how to build, uh, like how to efficiently build lists. Um, things, like their, their codex reviews seem to be like they're top notch and, and they're really like immediately zeroing, zeroing in on, you know, the efficient shit. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, it's really great stuff, guys. If you're not uh, if you're listening to this and you don't already uh, check out the Goonhammer articles, I just highly recommend it. They're a bunch of really good guys. They put out good content. Um, yeah, I got nothing more to say. I've only got positive things to say about it. I really wanted to bring this up before. I keep forgetting, or uh, something crazy happens. The but uh, only yeah. reason I'm doing this is because I'm hoping that maybe one time they'll include us in content they liked. Yeah, I mean maybe. Each One of them week, told me week, once in a Blood Bowl game that he liked me. Each week, uh, we're not included in that list. I get more and more enraged. Oh, I don't. But, I mean, I also am a generally apathetic person. Well, I, I even petty, pronounced that wrong. petty man. Well, I know. Why don't you take your you. apatheticness and your utarks, and uh, we'll get out of here. Bye-bye. 
This has been 40K Stat Center, a presentation of the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network. Like what we do? Subscribe to and rate us on YouTube and wherever podcasts can be found. Join the conversation. Follow 40K Stat Center on Facebook. You can also support the show directly by joining the Chapter Tactics Patreon and competitive 40K in general via the ITC Patreon or by grabbing a subscription to BCP. 